Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format helps you learn at your own pace and fit earning a degree into your life. From before you enroll to after you graduate, you'll be supported by people who are invested in your success so you can pursue your goals knowing that help is available if you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. Today on the James Altucher Show. I'm doing an experiment. It's called I Will Make You a Millionaire. The idea is I take 10 or 12 completely random people and I use the specific techniques in my recent book, Skip the Line. And within six to 12 months, my goal is to make them a million dollars or put them on the path towards making a million dollars. I started out with a couple people. I'm adding people one at a time. And a lot of people have been very nice and sent me reviews to skip the line and and explained why they should participate in this. I encourage people to buy skip the line because it's all these techniques. But anyway, I've started working with a couple of people and I've been recording on Zoom all the sessions. And I wanted to share this recording from just yesterday with James Quandell, who's one of the uh, first two people I picked to be in this I Will Make You a Millionaire program. Again, you're not, it's not going to be like today he makes a million, but we're going over the techniques bit by bit each time of how to come up with good ideas, how to decide something's a good idea, how to execute on things depending on which direction he's going. Everybody needs to build different skills, and so we work on that. And I just show him how I would think about things. And so even if at first it doesn't seem like, oh, well, he's not recommending a stock that'll make a million dollars. It's the mindset and the skills to make a million dollars that come first. But with James, his first idea list was some um, books he could write on a topic he's interested in. And that could, of course, lead to other things in what I call the spoken will approach on Skip the Line. But there's some very interesting things that happen in this session that you're about to listen to. And I want to share these because then even though I'm only picking, you know, I only have the resources or time to pick like 10 or 12 people, everybody could potentially learn from these sessions and these ideas. And I'll share the other person who, um, as well in a, in a week who has a completely different set of things he's working on that could very quickly make him a millionaire. James also has some ideas that could very quickly make him a millionaire. But you'll see that I build the foundation first. And we talk about it's building a, a foundation that gets you to make millions over and over again. So this is an example session. of This was my second session with James Quandell. And again, I'm using the specifically the techniques from that I write about in Skip the Line. So here's, I will make you a millionaire. Uh, listen to this. And then um, I would love to hear your advice on the things you would like to hear about this or, or maybe the, the, the skill sets that you would like to learn about. And I will focus on those. So you could tweet that at Jay Altucher or write me at altucher at gmail.com. Let me know. Uh, thanks very much. And here's James Quandell's I Will Make You a Millionaire. So how, how are things going? Things are going well. I, I loved what we did in our last call. I, yeah, that was fun. It was a unique style for me too. I mean, it was trial by fire. I mean, yeah, it was like, all right, you want to learn interviewing skills? All right, we're going to do it right now. Yeah, that's funny. Um, yeah, no, was, I, I had just seen the idea, uh, some, you know, a similar idea by Noah Kagan. And so as I do, I like to steal ideas but giving credit where credit is due and, uh, you know, try it in a different way. Uh, it's okay to steal a premise, maybe not the exact idea, but it's okay to steal a premise, I feel. And um, uh, I think it worked really well. And I think it was instructive, not only for me and for you, but then for the listeners when we released it as a podcast. Did you get any any unusual feedback? Nothing unusual. I think the best compliment was someone wrote on Twitter and said, Hey, it was really cool to just hear you learning during the podcast, like in live progression. 
Because you just yeah. don't really hear that very often. You hear how people put a lot of work in and they put a lot of effort in. And then three years later, they're a good podcaster or whatever. But you don't get to hear the wheels actually spinning and uh, it happening real time. So yeah, I thought that was cool. Yeah, cool. So um, yeah, let me bring up uh, your your notes. Any uh, How's, uh, we have to start thinking now, what's, what's the next step? So that like last one was more, um, let's call it, informative and interesting and you know gives you gave you some practice and so one of the spokes uh that that you know that you're looking at now we got to start narrowing it down about what we, what you want to do next just last week i basically mimicked the same conversations that we had with um dave and bill and i got two friends on zoom and i interviewed them on their spiritual disciplines as entrepreneurs and this time, unlike with Bill and Dave, I had some questions written out and I had some ideas of where I wanted to take it. And I said, you know what? I'm going to try and do this in 10 minutes and see if I can just like provide value, release it as sound bites, and then use it in the book and just see if I can just get hundreds of entrepreneurs maybe and ask them about their questions and then just release it as a daily podcast or, or whatever. And before that experiment that we did on, on the call, I would have just talked that to death with all my friends, all my family. I would have wrote a whole bunch of plans. I would have written it all down. And I would have talked myself out of it. And instead, I was just like, forget it. I'm just going to do an experiment. And then I just put it on the calendar. And then I did those calls. And I learned more about podcasting in those two calls than I have in the last two years talking about launching a podcast. Like, seriously. That's great. And I improved. And do you know what I realized? 10 minutes is not for me. That's not my jam. Like I need more time. I want to get to know the person. I want to actually hear the story. I want to get really in depth. And if one, one conversation was awesome and I loved it, but you had another call you had to go to because we only planned for 10 minutes. So we had to stop. And I was like, oh, I could have talked for 40 more minutes about this story that he was, that he was sharing. So, no, Well, that's the thing is, you know, what, what we did last time was packed as much as we could in a five minute conversation or less even. But the reality is you in, uh, you know, let's say 40 minutes to an hour or more is ideal, but you want to pack that much quality into every five minutes of the hour. Mm. So that's really the key. I've never, I've never done a podcast. that's only 10 minutes. I'm, you know, I go for like hour, two hours, whatever. And, uh, but you have to, but you know, every 10 minutes people lose interest and you have to figure out new ways to catch their interest. So you have to pack as much as you can into every 10 minutes. And then every 10 minutes, there's a change. Uh, you know, pe people's attention span for podcasts is about 10 minutes. That's why you have to, you have to change it up every nine, nine and a half minutes. Um, but, uh, so what, what's, where, where are you at now? So you've, you've got these four interviews or, or, you know, you'll do more, you'll do you'll do a hundred and then take the top 30 or 40 or 50 or whatever you want. And then you'll have this book. Uh, is that the book you think you want to write? I, I love the idea of the book. I think, I think it's the perfect combination of, of taking maybe 15 spiritual practices and then highlighting how to do them. Very yeah. tactical very clear and then ending each chapter with the story of the entrepreneur that practiced that that discipline and how it helped their business and then maybe even like write a link to their business and and like talk about what they do and it's basically like you know it would be a a, a book that's highlighting all these great people and all the the things that make them who they are and i think so that's what i learned in the interviews is spiritual disciplines are very personal and 10 minutes, it takes longer than that to really get to the meat of why they do it and how it shows up in their life. And by the way, so the, the interviews we did last time, they were kind of random. Like I saw, they were random in the sense that, you know, for better or for worse, I have 5,000 Facebook friends for some reason. They were the, they were online that moment. They were the first ones I came across scrolling down and the first ones, uh, I, I asked three people and one was busy and two out of the three said yes. And that, those were the two we spoke to. But think about it. Dave Kirpin, who we spoke to, his company, which he had just sold, I had learned at that moment, his company was called Likeable. So 
whatever his spiritual discipline was probably did lead to his philosophy of the business. And it was an agency called likable because, you know, spirituality and likability, you, there's some vague connection there. And the other one, Bill Glazer, he has, um, his business is called Outstanding Foods, but it, it's about his dedication since he was a kid to vegan and healthy eating, just not only for health reasons, but for ethical reasons. So that all, so spiritual disciplines are strongly related to how people view entrepreneurship. So, and, and that was just random people we picked and it was, we saw the direct connections. But what I want to do is let's look at spiritual disciplines for entrepreneur as the wheel. Okay. So we took entrepreneurship, which a million people have written about, and we narrowed it down to the spiritual disciplines for entrepreneurship. And now that's the wheel here. Uh, and before we close today, I want to also talk about some of the Amazon ideas completely unrelated that you also had, but uh, let's let's think of what are the spokes of this wheel. So obviously one is a book and another is a podcast. So you could do a podcast about the spiritual disciplines for entrepreneurs. You could do a book, which you're going to do about this. Um, what are some other spokes just to go through the exercise of how you can make money um, or not, but you know, most of these spokes will be probably money related. What are some other spokes? Different merchandise. Merchandise. And by the way, these could be bad ideas, good ideas. The key here is just to list spokes. Yeah, there could be a, like a YouTube channel that just profiles different people in different disciplines, just with real engaging content. Okay. There could be like a webinar series that people could go through to actually adopt these in their lives. And then like a playbook, that like a, a companion manual that would go with the book that would basically help them to adopt these habits. Okay. Um, they could, there could even be coaching of some kind, like a, a dedicated coach that would walk with someone and talk through that. Right. So that coach could initially be you, but then later on be other people. Yep, exactly. Mm -hmm. What else? We, we reached the seven point, right? Yeah, so now, so now the eight, nine and 10 is always where the brain sweats. So, yeah. so this is, this was the easy seven. Now what's the next three? We, we mentioned uh, a companion manual, but there could be a playbook for entrepreneurs to actually engage in their business, their spiritual disciplines, like actually making these disciplines part of their business plan in some way. Maybe it's part of their performance reviews or their one-on-one -on -one process or their onboarding process. I feel like we've, we're covering that somewhere between the book and the companion manual. Okay. I feel like that's in there. We can't, yeah. we can't, we can't cheat on eight, nine and 10. Not that you were cheating, but we can't, if I, if I really am, am considerate making an idealist, I have to make sure I didn't already kind of say this. Yeah. We could create some type of, uh, like a mastermind group where like a retreat or, or something where people could, people that were interested, uh, could, could just come and, and kind of really take a deep dive in the spiritual disciplines and have different experts that would come in and, and lead each of the different sections. Yeah. Like you could have someone like, you know, let's say, uh, uh, a Jeff Immelt, who was the CEO of GE speak to such a group or, or a Ken Langone who started home Depot and has a strong yeah. practice. We could have Dave Ramsey talk about generosity and the legacy yeah. journey. And yeah, no, that, that's a good idea. And also, by the way, you could tell their stories also in the book. So, so your book could be composed of interviews you do uh, with small entrepreneurs, but also stories of either historical figures or, you know, famous, you know, does Elon Musk have a spiritual discipline? Does Larry pay, you know, famous people who, or, or actually Steve Jobs is a great example. He was a, a very much a, uh, very much interested in Zen Buddhism and meditated every day. And so, mm -hmm. and, you know, even, then uh, sadly, you know, when he was sick, he tried to do spiritual or holistic um, methods first to help himself, but his sickness had gone too far. And so he needed more drastic help. But, um, you know, so I, I would interweave historical or, or famous stories with the stories that you unravel among your network. Mm -hmm. uh, um, but then, but then, yes, uh, the mastermind group is, is kind of an outgrowth of that, a mixture of bringing in the people who are interested in this with, you know, known experts. Okay. So what do we have now? Eight. 
I'll, I'll throw one out there for you though, is um, speaking engagements. So, mm. you know, if the book does well or the podcast does well, if any one of these, or if the YouTube channel does well, you will, you will be ripe for, let's say a TEDx talk. The TEDx talk could launch you into a speaking engagement career where you have story after story about the spiritual disciplines of entrepreneurs. Yeah. And, you know, companies have these retreats, they bring in speakers and they want to inspire and elevate the motivation and, and work ethic of their employees. You know, they might want someone who talks about, uh, uh, oh yeah, morning disciplines for entrepreneurs. But I'm almost wondering if that's included in the book or companion. Yeah, it probably is. So, so I, I, I don't, I don't like that. Let's just keep it written there. But, um, I don't think it's, I don't think it qualifies as number 10 on the idealist, but that's okay. So speaking gigs is a, is certainly a monetization possibility. Um, webinar, you know, so, so what, what's, what's another, what's the 10th thing? I wonder if this is a cheat from one of the other ones, but what about entrepreneurship program for churches to actually like help the churches to foster business, create businesses within them? I was kind of thinking like the uh, Financial Peace University that Dave Ramsey does, where they basically have people facilitate these classes at churches to help the people in the church build better money habits. And that helps the people in their personal lives. And it also helps the church because generally, if you're going to have better money habits, you're going to tithe more and, and, and give more to the church. So let, let me just add a little to that because I think that's interesting. So may, perhaps there's course, not a book, but a course, something a little bit more higher end you know, you know, 100 unique ways church could make more money, but it starts off with, you know, the, the disciplines and habits of, of people who make money and then a hundred specific ideas for how churches can increase their revenue streams. What do you think of that? Yeah. Because yeah, then I, think- I feel like if I'm, a, if I'm a priest at a church and I'm a little nervous about is my church going to survive and not necessarily a priest, could be a minister, could be a pat, could be uh, some other, it could be that I'm like any other businessman or, or someone who leads an organization. I want to figure out how to make money other than like a muffin sale or passing the hat around. So, um, you know, maybe that is a hundred unique ideas for how, uh, you know, religious ministry can make more money. Yeah. And there's actually, there's websites that pastors will go to, I think one's called Sermon Notes, where they'll actually go and purchase or get different sermon series from or inspiration for sermon series. And I think oh, I love that, that the church needs to talk more about entrepreneurship and values-based business leadership. And um, the church needs to practice more spiritual disciplines too. I mean, it, they, it's needed in both ends. All right, so I, so I, I like this. And you know, some of these ideas... They, uh, could be included with each other. So for instance, the morning and even evening disciplines for entrepreneurs, which is not technically on the list, that could be, you know, the final chapter of the book. When you, you know, you, a book that's like this, that's called the spiritual disciplines for entrepreneurship can go vertically and horizontally, meaning first you interview, first you go horizontal and you interview um, different entrepreneurs with their spiritual disciplines, but then you go vertical, which is like, um, okay, Here's what, here's a summary of what they all do in the morning. Here's what that summary of what they all do in the evening. Here's a summary of how they hire people or how they manage their philosophy of managing. So you kind of like cross it, cross the concept in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that could be like the, the second half of the book. And, uh, you know, and that could also, the, the companion manual, I see, I see, which is the, one of the ideas here, I see could be potentially included in the book. Like the thing about a book, is I always think to myself, I just want to throw everything I can in the book because I want the book to be successful. Yeah. And then afterwards, when it if when it's successful, you're never you're not going to do a companion manual if it's not successful because there's no point. So, but if it's successful, then you start thinking of what the companion manual looks like. But first, throw everything you can into the book itself. Now, by the way, a book doesn't make a lot of money, no, pretty much no matter what, unless you're lucky. But these other things like speaking gigs or mastermind group or a course for a hundred unique ideas for religious ministries to make more money that are, those are higher end ways to make money. So you could sell the course 
for several hundred dollars and ideally sell it to, you know, a thousand religious ministries, or I'm just make, who knows? I'm not, we're still not judging whether it's a good idea or a bad idea. Speaking gigs, you know, once you get going, like someone like Dave Ramsey or, or even people who have worked with him before, like John Acup, you know, they make, you know, Dave Ramsey himself probably makes between 50 and a hundred thousand per speaking gig. Uh, coaching could of course, you know, depending on who you're coaching could of course make a lot of money. And it's not like the typical life coach thing. You wrote a book, spiritual disciplines for entrepreneurs. So you're, you're bringing in this knowledge that you have. That's a little bit more of expertise and professional than just the random, you know, life coach. So, so does the book need to be by standard norms, a, a bestseller no. to be able to then snowball into all of this? No, the book at the lowest level, the book just separates you from someone who's offering the same service or, or skill, but hasn't written a book. So of course, people, if people are picking someone for a speaking gig and they have two choices, you and someone exactly like you who hasn't written a book, then they choose you hundred percent of the time. So the book is like, oh, I have a business card, but the other guy doesn't. So choose me. And so that's, you know, that's why they choose you. Um, so the book does not have to be a bestseller at all. Would it be great if it's a bestseller? Of course, all these other opportunities become bigger if the book's a bestseller, but it's not a requirement. And, but I would still throw everything into the book. Same thing with the podcast. Like podcast doesn't have to be a bestseller. I mean, it doesn't have to be a number one podcast. It, maybe it just, maybe just a thousand people an episode listen to it, but it's the thousand you want to listen to it. And if the podcast is good enough, spread through word of mouth or whatever. Um, merchandise, not as much a fan of that. YouTube channel, it's good. You could put the podcast, you could do video for each of the podcasts and put it on your YouTube channel. Webinar, I'm not sure people will, will sign up for a webinar, but I don't know. Um, companion manual, we discussed. I throw everything into the book at first. All the exercises, all the disciplines, you know, everything you could think of, I would throw into the book. Because mm -hmm. again, if the book doesn't do well, there's no companion manual anyway. So you might as well throw everything you can and, and give it your best shot in, in the book itself. Yep. Mastermind group, that's down the road. Uh, but yeah, it's a possibility. It's a, certainly a spoke. Uh, it, it could happen. And some masterminds make money, some don't. Uh, speaking gigs is an income, not a, a wealth strategy. But if you do enough speaking gigs, if you're on the road 30 or 40 weeks a year doing speaking gigs, you'll you could start to generate wealth. Uh, you know, um, and then the hundred unique ideas for religious ministries to make more money. I would do that as a one-off much higher end, uh, uh, course, like not sell for $20, like a book, but sell for like two, $300 or more. And so, uh, or even a thousand dollars, but for people who respond, you know, the first hundred ministries that respond first, they get a discount or whatever. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you a story. So one time I had a friend who went broke and he needed to make some money and he had a huge email list. Like over the years, this is before, uh, email lists were what they are today. Like over the years, people who had emailed him, he had just kept the emails around in one big list. There wasn't as much regulation around it. And he was going to write a book. Um, I think it was, uh, you know, a hundred stock. He was a financial writer. He was gonna write a book, a hundred stocks for the biotech revolution, something like that. Um, I'm making it up a little bit, um, but because I don't want to have him identified. And, and he was going to sell it as a, as a book to his list for $30, maybe even less because it would have been a PDF. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not a good idea. If a biotech stock works, and by the way, it wasn't biotech, it was another area similar, but if a biotech stock works, it's going to go up 100x, not you know, it's not just a good biotech stock. It's, it's a hundred X. It's a stock with a potential 10,000% return. So I said, why don't you call this, you know, a hundred stocks that could go up a hundred times and sell for a thousand dollars, not $20. And he had 30,000 people on his email. So he did that. He did a title that I suggested. He did same content, but just different title. He changed the price. Like I suggested, because also I'm not, it's not a, a BS price. It's if you're giving someone a stock that they're going to put a thousand dollars in, 
which is not a lot of money, amount of money people are going to put in a stock and it goes up a hundred times and they make a hundred thousand dollars, they'd be happy to pay a thousand dollars for a, 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 an online thing that, you know, one-off thing that gives them that. So mm -hmm. 1% of the 30,000, which is like what? 300, 300 people. people. Yeah. Bought it. Wow. And he made, he went from broke to $300,000 overnight, like within a couple of weeks, dead broke. And he bought a house with the money. He, you know, he was so confident and happy. He got married and, uh, you know, cause he had more, more confidence and, and he wasn't living in his parents' basement anymore. And at the time he was living in like North Dakota or Montana, someplace like that, where, where Jay is eventually going to live. And, <laughs> uh, so his exp living expenses wasn't, weren't that great. And so $300,000 gave him enough runway a year or two or more of runway that he started a full business and he did more of these and, mm. you know, made millions. So all it takes is like one thing like that. And, uh, uh, so that's what, what I'm, what I'm saying is the hundred unique ideas for religious ministries to make more money. This is very valuable to a religious ministry and something they really need. They would spend, if, if you are known because you did the spiritual disciplines for entrepreneurship, because you have speaking gigs, whatever, because you have a podcast and you can potentially connect them up to entrepreneurs if they need to. Um, this is a, they'd spend $200 or $300. They might not spend a thousand, but they'd spend 200 and mm -hmm. you'd have to, you'd have to experiment with pricing and there's ways to do that. Now, another thing is, is the book itself. I think there's one aspect is that there's the spiritual disciplines for entrepreneurs, for entrepreneurship, but I would also go a little deeper on what it is they're actually doing. So take, we spoke to Bill Glazer last week. He makes, he has a food company, makes vegan snacks. So I'd want to know tactically also, how do you make a company that takes, that goes from recipes to packaging, to getting on the shelf space of stores? Or if someone has a drop shipping company in Amazon, I want to know the tactics, the techniques for, for how do you make a, a company that buys from China and then drop ships directly to a customer in the U S through a store on Amazon. So I'd want to know the specific like steps one through 10 of doing that. So that's just something to consider for the book so that it goes from the spiritual, which people don't view conceptually as practical to the very practical. So if someone says, if someone recommends the book and another person's like, that sounds great, but I need something really practical their friend who's recommending it could say, no, 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 believe me, it's super practical also. Yeah, because not only does it talk about 15 spiritual disciplines, but then it also talks about 15 businesses and the tactical steps of those businesses. Right, like how someone can start from scratch and start that business. So just like I told you about my friend who sold the book for $1,000 and how he did it, uh, it's the same thing could be across 15 different business models. Yeah, that'd be, uh, so, that'd be, it's, it'd sort of be like the side hustle Fridays where yeah. it's basically here's the action steps to go launch the business. And then here's the, yeah, it's, it's connecting the spiritual disciplines and then like an entrepreneur's guidebook to starting a company. Yeah. So, and then, um, by the way, then, so, 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 so here's how I see the book, but again, it's, it's up to you, but I like thinking structurally like this. So there's the spiritual disciplines of entrepreneurs. So there's entrepreneurs you call in your network, or maybe that, that you reach out to and who are willing to talk to, maybe you don't know them, but you reach out to them and they're willing to talk to you. There's historical stories like, you know, what was Andrew Carnegie's, you know, and Steve Jobs and people like that, uh, uh, spiritual disciplines. There's mm -hmm. your story interwoven through this of times when you've had hard times, but spiritual disciplines helped you through them. So you kind of have to, Ultimately, when you write a book and you're telling someone else's story, you're really telling your story through the life of that other person. That's even a biography. If I write a biography of George Washington, I'm really telling my story, but through the way I just talk about George Washington. And, but, but in this case, you could interweave your, your story specifically um, through the different stories. Then I would also um, uh, tell stories from the, you know, stories about Jesus or Buddha or whoever that kind of exemplify in the original religious documents of these various disciplines, 
how, you know, let's say someone is a strong Christian and, uh, uh, they, they bring that, you know, and they describe how they bring that into their business and how it helped them start their business and so on. You could talk about how a story of how Jesus managed his disciples, which he did do like mm -hmm. a great example of Jesus providing a management principle is when, you know, and we might've talked about this before, but when Simon, the fisherman wants to follow Jesus, you know, Simon's later Peter, um, but Simon wants to follow Jesus. But he says to Jesus, oh, sorry, first I have to bury my, my father just said I have to bury him. And Jesus is walking away and Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. That's, there's a management lesson in there somewhere. And that could be related to one of the disciplines, you know, hey, we all, you know, we all move forward uh, in life. And, mm -hmm. you know, you can't, now yet maybe that's a little almost brutal him telling, you know, Simon slash Peter that, but there's many examples where you know, you lose a customer. Okay. We lost a customer. what did we learn from it? Move forward. Let the dead bury the dead. We can't shut down the business or for, for a month because we did this. We got to just keep moving forward. So, and Buddha has examples of this. Like Buddha is a great example of someone who uses spiritual discipline for entrepreneurship. He was an entrepreneur. He had hundreds of monks that lived in the grove with him, but the, this grove where he was where he had them all live was right in the middle of three different warring kingdoms. One of whom was his relatives. One kingdom was, so how did he live? How did he survive in the middle of a three kingdom war where he was related to one of the kingdoms <laughs> and that the, the management stories from that are immense. Mm -hmm. And by the way, then there's a bibliography of all these things. So, you know, um, and then, and then of course there's kind of, uh, the cross section of all this. Well, what do they all have in common about morning routines? What do they all say about management style and so on? And, and so there's this kind of cross section description, and then there's the tactical, you know, the, the tactics of each entrepreneur, how they built their business and how anybody can start from scratch and build this business. I would read that book. Yeah, I would read that book. <laughs> I would write that book. Uh, like, if you don't write it, I'll write it. Like, that's a great <laughs> book. Uh, uh, and by the way, same. By the way, the, this holds true. This exact same structure holds true for the podcast. I, so, I have a question about um, people that do collaborative books. How do you feel about that? Uh, well, I just did one. Uh, I did an mm -hmm. audio book with uh, Charlemagne, um, who is a. Uh, you know, a very popular radio host. And, you know, we, we, we very, it very much, we very much defined um, what, where the boundaries were. Like it was a book, uh, it was an audio book about racism. It's called, we, it was originally gonna be called We Have Questions, but then it was called We Got Answers. And basically I had questions, naive questions that someone like me might have to someone um, who's, you know, from a minority community. And then Charlemagne, um, found all the uh, uh, people for me to interview, you know, intellectuals, leaders, celebrities, and so on, um, people who had a voice, and I interviewed them. And there was some overlap, like I found one of the people and he did some of the writing or, or you know, introductions and things like that. But, you know, it worked out very well because we had very clear boundaries and, and so on. In general, though, I would not do a collaboration on a, on a book like you're describing. This is yours. This is going to be your brand in this, in this particular case. I don't think you need to do a collaboration. If you want to, it's fine, but just you have to make sure the boundaries are very well set. Mm -hmm. Like maybe when someone says the tactics, you hand it off to someone and say, okay, flesh out these tactics a little further and the resources needed and, and write that up. And mm -hmm. that, that's one way you divide responsibilities. Like you're going to do the interviews, but I wouldn't be do like half the interviews are you, half the interviews are him. That's, you know, you're going to learn from each interview anyway. So you might as well do all of them, but, it, but you yep. can do a collaboration if it's more divided up, but I don't think you need to do one for this kind of thing. I needed to do one with the Charlemagne book because it made sense that he would find the people and I would ask the questions. Yeah. That and again, there was sense. overlap, but there was a, also clear responsibilities. 
Um, and, and then he did more of the marketing because were you, were, did that project scare you at all? Oh yeah. Uh, to be honest, I spoke to both my agent and other people in the publishing industry and nobody wanted me to do the book for lots of reasons. A, I was really? working on another, Yeah. Well, one thing is I was working on another book, so they didn't want to distract me, but it, it yeah. didn't. The other thing is they were a little nervous because they didn't, I didn't really fully explain how this would be structured. They were a little nervous that this could backfire on me. That if my questions were too, let's say, naive, maybe people would hate me and there would be publicity on that. And that would take away from publicity on the book they were working with me on, the other book they were working with yeah. me on. So, uh, but you know, it, it's good to get advice, but it's another thing to take it. So you have to sort of decide. Yes, it's totally true. Airbnb has changed my life. If anything, they have made my life so much better. Like I used to live in Airbnbs. I, I lived in over 100 or 200 different Airbnbs over a three-year period, and I loved it. I, loved, I became a really good guest of Airbnbs, and I got to know lots of hosts. So when I initially owned a house, I, of course, the first thing I thought was I'm going to turn my house into an Airbnb because I travel a lot. So why leave my house unused when I can make a side income by letting others Airbnb my house or come to stay in my house as guests and having my own Airbnb or, or being a host for Airbnb has allowed me to do just that. And I've met other hosts. I've actually spoken at Airbnb's host conference. I think it was in 2017. I met so many just nice hosts. It's a great community. And I love, you know, turning my own home into an Airbnb. Like I'm traveling to Austin next month. My home's going to be an Airbnb while I'm away. And I'll stay in an Airbnb. I'd rather stay in like a three story house Airbnb than in one tiny hotel room in, in the middle of Austin during South by Southwest. So listen, while you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Many people host on Airbnb, but there are people who are just letting their house sit empty, who've never thought about it or didn't realize their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, then you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Daylight savings time is starting up again. Okay, podcast is over. That's all you needed to know. But why do we have uh, daylight savings time? Answer, to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting your clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day that initial, when we initially start daylight savings. But if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There's only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. This is such a brilliant idea for a business and ZipRecruiter did it. So ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. I've used ZipRecruiter particularly as a potential employee and I still to this day get messages every day. James Aldacher, would you like to apply to be VP of en entertainment at NBC or whatever? So there's just nonstop emails. Like I got five or six emails today because of because a year ago I signed up for ZipRecruiter. So spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, listen, men's health is important. Men act all cocky and like they don't need anything. But the reality is, as you get older, there's some things you need. 
And it often feels like we're too busy to take care of our health problems. Like I'd rather do anything than go to the doctor or the dentist or the pharmacy or whatever. But now you don't have to waste your time if you use HIMS. HIMS, H-I-M-S, HIMS is changing men's healthcare by providing simple and convenient access to science-backed treatments for erectile dysfunction, hair loss, weight loss, and more. The entire process is 100% online, so you get a new routine of improving your overall health faster. Jay, you listening to all this? Yes, I'm definitely going to use HIMS for now. Not that you need it. You're, you're young and healthy. James, I'm 35. You, you're getting there. You might, you might need it. Who knows? But if prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and indiscreet packaging. No insurance is needed. You can manage your plan on the HIMSS app, track progress, and learn more about your conditions and how to treat them from leading medical experts. Start your free online visit today at HIMSS.com slash James. Could you imagine that there's a whole section just with my name on it? HIMSS.com slash James. That's how I how much I am representative of the kind of person who needs HIMS. That's HIMS.com slash James for your personalized treatment options. HIMS.com slash James. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See HIMS.com slash James for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. I'm reading uh, Stephen Pressfield's book, The War of Art, right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was really afraid to do a podcast for two years now. I've been talking about doing one. And then we just kind of did it with, with the, the last mentorship call. We just like, got it out of the way. We just asked questions and just kind of and just did that. And, and by the way, then that since we're recording all these videos, that video and or really that audio i became a podcast for me that's how yeah. it was for me to generate an episode and by the way that was jay correct me if i'm wrong that was a well downloaded episode right yep it's pretty good download yeah yeah so so more than there are than the average so well, sure you never know well you know it's always good to play with formats and and even right here we're writing the format down for like a book mm-hmm. which but the format could change we could have other ideas and by the way just because we made this list you might not write a book you might start off with a hundred unique ideas for religious ministries to make money, yeah. you know, while you're working on the podcast and the book, like these are spokes because it's not like a wheel uses one spoke at a time. It needs the, all the spokes to be a wheel. So, yeah. you know, so you'll decide a couple of these to do simultaneously and some will work out, some you'll finish, some you won't. And you can't, you know, because you're diversifying the approach, and then there's a, a, a something I call conspiracy numbers, which is worth noting, which is, let's say you have a specific goal. And ostensibly, the specific goal of these meetings that we're having is that you're going to make a million dollars fairly quickly. Then we start to look at how many, what I call a conspiracy number is how many things have to conspire for each one of these items to make you a millionaire. And so like, let's take an example of the book, the book, and let's, let's just assume you're going to self-publish because then it's ridiculous. Then you have, here's the, if you don't self-publish, uh, you have to get an agent. The agent has to set up a bunch of meetings. You have to pitch the book, uh, successfully so that one of the publishers likes it. You have to write the book in their time frame, which is going to be a year and a half approximately. And then it's got to be a bestseller. And then your next book might make you money, right? Even if this book's a bestseller, it won't make you that much money. Um, so that's like, I just counted six things. There's probably even more. So that's a conspiracy number of six hundred unique ideas for religious ministries to make more money, which you're going to sell for, let's say, you know, a thousand dollars. Well, there's, I don't know, there's a million religious ministries in the country. So, uh, you just have to, if you make that and it's good, assuming it's good, uh, you have to sell that to a thousand people to make a million dollars. So your your the conspiracy number is you have to get in front of all the ministries through, but you could do that through advertising dollars or, or direct mail or whatever, and um, you know, or you can affiliate with someone who has a, an email list of all religious ministries, 
and you have to just sell, uh, uh, you know, one percent of one percent, one one hundredth of one percent of all the religious ministries out there. You have to sell to that, you know, one one hundredth of one percent in order to make a million. Yeah. And it probably would take you a month to, let's say, make a first draft of this, maybe even uh, faster. You know, so this has a conspiracy number of maybe you have to make the book and you have to um, uh, get in front of the people and a thousand of ministries have to uh, get it. So it's a conspiracy number of two or three. Mm-hmm. And so it's a much lower conspiracy number to make a million dollars than a book. Podcast, a uh, very high conspiracy number because you got to find the people to interview. You got to start the podcast. You've got to build up an audience that's sufficient to advertise. You have to find advertisers and probably have to do it for a while before your advertising dollars hit a million. Um, and, and on and on. Then so you kind of could figure out the conspiracy number for each thing, but it's not just about making a million dollars. I think the book kind of adds to all the other activities here to help to make it easier for them to make a million dollars. So for instance, for you to get in front of all religious ministries, it helps to say, Hey, I have wrote this book. And so, yeah. And, and doing the podcast gives me the time to actually interview and ask these questions that turn into the book. Yeah. So you can, they can both be done at the same time. One other thing I would say about the book, look at your earlier list of books I can write. Mm-hmm. So seven highly effective habits of Christian leaders, uh, the Billy Graham Bible, 10 titles for uh, lead like G, you know, or, or basically lead like Jesus uh, or, you know, what, you know, how would Jesus eat today? Uh, mm-hmm. These are all important for entrepreneurship. So it might be that the ideas behind these other books become chapters or parts of this book. So again, you want to throw everything you can into this book as long as it's relevant. Like you're not going to also have a chapter on, you know, who's going to win the Super Bowl next year because that wouldn't be relevant. But, you know, certainly there should be a chapter in here, the seven highly effective habits of spiritual leaders or Christian leaders or whatever. And, Mm -hmm. you know, certainly one of the resources you draw from might not be only the Bible or uh, texts in Hinduism or Buddhism or Taoism or whatever, but maybe texts from, you know, quotes or stories from the Dalai Lama or even like Joel Osteen or Billy Graham, like your idea of the Billy Graham Bible and so on. So I would also, as one additional thing to think about in the book is that I would incorporate what's applicable from your other ideas for books. Then later on, they could become full books, but this is part of the strategy of throw everything you can into the first book. So it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I think, and then by the way, um, uh, oh, and you even have a first draft of lead like Jesus. Uh, I think incorporate that entire first draft or, or at least the best parts of it into this book. Yeah, those are the titles. Those are 10 ideas of a titles for the um, Lead Like Jesus type book, which is basically I've been writing um, lessons that I learned from my time in retail, managing a team on my blog for the last couple of years now. And so I already have the first draft. After we, after we had our last call, um, I took all those blog posts that I thought fit into this and created a little outline and then grabbed them all and put them in a Word document. So now I have this, this Word document, first draft of that book that is, let me pull it up, let me pull it up real quick. Right now, it's, 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 it's still loading. It's, yeah, so that, it's 35,000 words already. And this is just first draft. Like I haven't even touched it. This is just the articles that I thought would apply to that topic. And I love this because this is the idea of, uh, which we discussed earlier, which is uh, always a first draft, a great idea for a first. First off, every book's going to run through, you know, five to 50 drafts. So you don't have to worry about anything relating to quality or, you know, production, whatever on the first draft. But I love the idea of taking every article you've written about a topic and and stapling them together. That's your first draft. And it's so it's people don't realize it's so easy to make first draft of a book, particularly if you've been prolific in other ways. Or if you have a podcast, take all the transcripts, edit them a little bit so it's readable, 
and staple them together. Boom. First draft of a book. And now you're going to rewrite like, uh, it completely. Tools of, Tools of the Titans. Tools of the Titans. Or my, I, I wrote a book, which I never sold on Amazon, but I sold I sold it on Scribd, uh, which is Think Like a Billionaire. Mm-hmm. That was original. Originally, I stapled together the transcripts. And then we did 27 drafts and turned it into a book. But it started out like 7,000 pages as just the stapled together version of, of all these transcripts. So now I want to talk a little bit about the next. I think you should do all of this and and so on and uh and 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 start it uh and in particular i mean you should pick which ideas you want to start with but i would start with the book the podcast the youtube channel and the 100 unique ideas for religious ministries the reason i combine i say the book podcast and the youtube channel is because they're all the same thing yeah. right the podcast is you interviewing people or you telling stories like think about the bible for a second let's look at the leaders in the Bible. So first off, Noah was a leader. He had to convince people and he kind of failed at it, but he had to convince people to go on his boat and he had to lead the production, the construction of a huge boat and get all the animals on it and so on. Uh, uh, Abraham was a leader. Uh, he had to basically start his own, you know, tribe. Uh, certainly Moses was a leader. He led his people out of Egypt and he had to persuade Pharaoh to let this happen. Joshua was a leader. He had to get people, he had to basically get his people into Israel. And then, you know, and on and on. And then we go into the New Testament. Jesus was a leader. Paul was a leader. Peter was a leader. Uh, so there's lots of leaders in the Bible and people don't normally think of them that way, but these people had to be managers. Moses, when he came down from the mountain and his people were wor- worshiping a golden calf, he had to discipline them so they wouldn't do that anymore. And he had to motivate them so they would stay with him and follow his leadership. So these are hardcore leadership problems that these people had to deal with. Yeah, and their life or death. It's not like making widgets and selling widgets. This was their livelihood. Right. It's not like, uh, you know, Moses would just go over to, um, you know, back to Egypt and say, well, that didn't work out. Are there any venture capitalists who will fund my next thing? Like, he, there's no second chance. No, he was, so, if he didn't succeed, he would be stoned. Right. Yes. Like, like then there was a danger of that. They didn't like him at, at when he, he, cause he left them for long enough time. He, and they were, he wasn't getting them to Israel. So mm-hmm. he, he almost risked that. So, so I think there's a lot here again, um, book podcast, YouTube, because those are all the same thing. Oh, oh and the reason why I was bringing up those stories of like Moses and stuff, your podcast might not, some of your formats might not be you interviewing an entrepreneur, but you simply telling the story of Moses from a leadership perspective. Mm-hmm. And so it's okay. It's okay to have multiple formats. So this way people, some people will like one format. Some people will like another, you, you cater to, but it's, you're still catering to the same type of audience. So some people like one style over another. Mm-hmm. Um, and same thing with the YouTube channel. With really tactical on that for a podcast, for example, and with my blog, would you would you suggest I keep creating this content under my name and just it like just release it as one kind of evolving project? Yes. Okay. Because and the reason is is that not everybody listens to every podcast episode. Not everyone watches every YouTube show. Not everyone's going to read every chapter in your book. Uh, some people who listen to your podcast won't buy your book, and vice versa. So. I remember there was one point, this is 2005, so 16 years ago, I would write an article for the street.com. I would write the same article for the Financial Times, the same article, not even changing a word for the Wall Street Journal. And I would be a little nervous, like would one of them be unhappy because I was doing this? In the, let's say the two or three years I was doing this, not a single person said a single thing like, oh, I read, you wrote this in the street.com. You wrote this for Yahoo Finance. Now I'm reading in the financial, not a single person ever noticed. Why? Because not everybody read every article and not everybody who read the Financial Times read the Wall Street Journal and so on. So that makes sense. The overlap is, is minimal, which is actually how you build then a bigger audience because you can use the same content to hit different people. And it's not like you're plagiarizing yourself. It's, it's fine. And the, the only people who might have been upset about it were the people running these companies. But again, they weren't because they didn't even read the other journals or magazines and nobody complained to them. 
So it was, it actually worked out well for them that I took my best content and used it for them. Even though I had used it somewhere else, it worked out for the readers. It worked out for me. So it's the same thing, same principle here. And were you sharing any of that on your personal branded outlets at that time? Uh, yeah, not at that time, but later I wrote about that. Mm -hmm. At the time, I didn't really have a personal outlet. I was just writing for these places. So, um, but and in my shoes right now, I just added to our list of 10, like when you talked about other magazines and outlets and newspapers, do you think that these stories could be something that I could pitch to these magazines and business magazines? And Absolutely. Yeah. Every single, let's put, let's put that on the, the, the list of ideas is that you should be pitching each thing to other um, either magazines and, or websites. How many, you know, decently trafficked, spiritually related websites are there? Thousands. And guess what? They are all, 100% of them are looking for quality content. There's no one's going to say no because we have too much content. Yeah. Yeah, I would like, love to write for them. That would be great. Yeah, so you should pitch each one. Like if you do, for instance, let's say you do a podcast with somebody about, you know, they started a, a social media agency and you get their spiritual disciplines and you get their tactics. You write that up as a thousand word article maybe and you pitch it to a hundred different websites or 10 different websites and see who takes it. And by the way, publish it in all 10 if you can. Yeah. So um, here's the thing. I like this idea. I like this whole concept and this uh, coincides with your interests of spiritual thought and spiritual disciplines and it combines your interest with this and entrepreneurship. You know, I think it remains to be seen whether this is a path to a million dollars. I think it could be. And particularly some of these ideas that we've written down and you'll have more ideas as time goes on. And as you work on this could be the case that some of the entrepreneurs you interview give you some ideas or make you think of some ideas that could turn into a million dollars. Like another great thing, an ancillary benefit of a podcast is the network you build through the podcast. So, yeah. you know, that network, you, you know, your network, there's a saying your network is your net worth. So as you build out your network of, you know, very focused, disciplined entrepreneurs, that's gonna, you know, give you more opportunities uh, and ideas to make money. But I do think also simultaneously, you have another important wheel here, which is your expertise helping, you know, selling, setting up um, stores on Amazon and helping sellers on Amazon. It's very hard to set up a store on Amazon and, and make it profitable and make it successful. I think, you know, the next session, we should turn our attention to you're the, the Amazon ninja spokes. You're an Amazon ninja, an Amazon seller ninja. And you have some great spokes there about how to make a million dollars using that skill. I know it's not as much overlapping with your interests, but you have a lot of expertise and clearly there's some interest. So next time we should look at that. Yeah, 100%. And, and that's what's paying the bills now. And it's, it's already generating income and I've gotten really good at it and I've helped some brands really grow and reach a lot more customers. So, I mean, it does make sense to do more with that for sure. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about that next time. And like some of these things are, you know, like you could think even the ideas that you have here and your idea list about this book, a hundred unique ideas to create your Amazon seller store or a course on setting up a highly profitable Amazon seller store. And, and, you know, I could talk to you about what, how to, how to market such a course. Cause there's very specific yeah. techniques. Yeah. One of my clients, uh, he asked me how to do something on Amazon. This was like after our first call. And I just recorded a quick video, a screencast of my computer and just walked him through it. And I emailed it over. He goes, you need to do an Amazon course. This is so good. And you just made it so easy to understand. And to me, it was like, I do that every day. It was, it was easy. It was common sense. It didn't even feel like it was anything special, but um, it really helped him out. Yeah. So that's, he, had, he, your, your customers are telling you what they want, right? <laughs> yeah. So he just told you what something he's willing to pay for. He's willing to pay for this. So, um, so if he's willing to pay for it, how many other people are willing to pay for it and how much are they willing to pay? Well, yeah. the good thing about an Amazon, a course on an Amazon seller store is it's much easier to price high because people are going to set up a store. They want to make a million dollars. So you could charge, you could easily charge 
$2,000 for a course on this. So, or, or, you know, and also you could divide it up. Like here's a course on to decide how do you find what product to sell? Here's a course on setting up your Amazon seller store. Here's a course on how to market from your Amazon seller store. Yeah. Uh, and so we, that's, you know, well, there's, there's a lot of brands out there that are not on Amazon or they're not doing a very good job on Amazon right now. And maybe they're a little too small to hire someone like me to just take it all over. But I could design a course that would teach them a lot of the things that I do. And so then they could grow and then they could afford to hire an agency to take over. Like if, if you're only making $5,000 a month on Amazon, it's going to be hard to hire someone like me. But you could grow to where you're doing fifty dollars to $100,000 and then have the money to bring in a professional. So let's look at the statistics. How big is your audience? So how many Amazon sellers are there? Millions. There are 9.7 million sellers as of March, 2021 on Amazon. Just in the past year, they added 1,029,000 sellers. <laughs> so, and I would bet you 99% uh, of those is, are not successful and would love to be successful. So that's your initial market for a course. And you're an expert. So by the way, people who want to compete with you, let them compete with you. They're not going to be as good as you. You're a super expert on this. And it won't be hard for you to make a course, particularly if you videotape your conversations right now with your clients and you know, turn that into a course. It's the same concept. You just staple that together and reorganize it into a, a course. And, uh, you know, and this is just one idea on your Amazon ninja spokes. And Amazon is just, they're expanding into countries all over the world. And the, the, the seller central platform that the sellers are registering on is pretty similar around the world. Right. So this is really important. Um, it's going to make money. I think to be honest, the conspiracy number here is the lowest. I still like all the stuff we've been talking about because it'll build your interview skills. It'll build your credibility. Um, it could be a path to a million dollars, but one, th one, thing that has to conspire in each case is getting people who have interest in spirituality to give you money because money and spirituality are, are not often used in the same sentence, but people who are trying desperately to make more money in an Amazon sellers program, they have money to buy a course. So that is no long, that is a, an entire conspiracy number that's subtracted of the things that have to conspire to make you a million dollars, but I would do them simultaneously. I do stand-up comedy. It doesn't make me a million dollars, but it's something I love and it has an income stream, just like this podcast does. It doesn't make me a million dollars, but it's an, an, a very good income stream, this podcast. But And it leads to other things. All these things, all opportunities are connected. Yeah, well, well just you know, writing on my blog and, and reviewing your book led to the conversation we're having right now. So my right. blog hasn't generated any income but we're talking right now because of it. So, <laughs> right. And, and like, even me in 2002, writing an article about stocks led to stand up comedy in 2017 or led to podcasting in 2013 or whatever. So it's all connected. The other thing I would do so, think about the Amazon stuff, start the book, podcast, YouTube channel, and 100 Unique Ideas for Religious ministries. I need to put an asterisk on that one as well. Um, you put, I saw you put asterisks on the others. Uh, and then, um, start reaching out to the entrepreneurs on your list here, whether it's, uh, you know, you, you list a lot of good names here, start pick two or three, maybe the easy ones to reach out to and, and start doing them. And then, um, and would you timeline, would you just I think I already learned I have to scrap that 10, 15 minute idea and just go to where it's it's more of an open format conversation. Open format, yeah, totally. Yeah. Don't 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 put any boundaries on that. And then I would outline by the next time we talk, whether it's next week or the week after, I would outline a course on how to be an Amazon ninja, an Amazon seller ninja. Just outline the course. Okay. It'll take you, it's like the 10 idea list. It'll take you one morning to outline it. First draft of an outline. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I was reading Skip the Line uh, at the end, 
that was one of the notes I wrote. I think you were talking about courses or something. And I was like, I need to make a course for this. <laughs> right. And so you wrote that then, which was a while ago. You haven't made an outline. And part of it is because maybe you had other interests and you're busy with your clients. But it does not take long time to make an outline. And it gets the juices flowing. You got to make an outline yep. for it. That's 100%. And, um, but yeah, this is great. I love this. And uh, you're going to do great with all this. So uh i'm looking forward to the next session let's see what's what's going on next week uh and if you release this as a podcast again this conversation if any entrepreneurs would like to be interviewed they could always reach out to me too great idea um they should go to the uh choose yourself the james Altucher's choose yourself community on facebook and find you there because you're you're there and um or, or or you should join but uh if if you're there then they should reach you there or where can they email you if you want to give your email? James Q at quandall.com. Q-U-A-N-D-A-H-L. Excellent. Dot com. So James Q at quandall.com. Yeah, I'd love to interview them. Was there another James at quandall.com that... Yeah, that you or, know, there was the guy that founded it. I, I had to take care of him. <laughs> okay, that's funny. Um, Jay, of course, let's release this as a podcast episode. <laughs> and do you uh, uh do you want to would you be interested in hearing one of those interviews i did after we talked yeah so at least send it to me and i'll see if i could listen to it it's 10 minutes i think yeah let's do it <laughs> and uh yeah i i already learned a lot from that so I, i'm i need to do more just full interviews and i need to put them out in the world that's what i learned with writing on my blog is just like hitting publish changed everything versus just like recording and not doing anything with it. So do that, get started all these things. Let's talk in two weeks and good luck with all this. And you can reach out to me anytime during the two weeks. If you have any questions, just send, send me an email. Okay, thank you. All right, I'll talk to you guys later. All right, thanks. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details.